Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. Welcome back. I wanted to start this podcast off by saying, because a lot of changes have happened and the podcast looks like it's been a little bit all over the shop and that's because we've changed how we're doing things. So Chaz is permanently on the podcast now. Round of applause. Yay! Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We also have changed our release schedule for the podcast episodes so they will be coming out fortnightly at the very least because of the way we work because Chaz works most of the school year we can't be recording podcasts every week it's just not it becomes a chore and it doesn't become enjoyable for me personally and I don't think that you as as much as you enjoy it, I don't think you want something else added onto your plate. So we're aiming for fortnightly, could be weekly though. Yeah, I definitely don't want more work in term two, that's for sure. Yes, so. especially around week five, we've learned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the intense period. That's so true. No, yeah, what, oh, okay, I'll give some backstory on that. Normally throughout the school term, which it, you'll make complete sense once you hear it, but I coach coach a lot of basketball, play a lot of basketball, and then on top of that, teach. And term two is when my basketball season's going, which is representative level. So I train twice a week, play as well. Then I also got to get in some kind of practice for myself to just keep upskilling. And then I also am coaching the school team, which is the senior squad. They train once a week, probably twice a week this year coming because we're trying to up the ante and then they'll also play once a week and last year I also took on a junior team as well for the school which I didn't have a training session with them it meant an extra game I was coaching but once you start adding all that into your weekly schedule it meant I was almost never home and Ashley would just see me in passing for like a whole term and it there was just like there was always a point and I didn't realize it was the same point each term but that term two in particular that Chaz would just I would start to think that he didn't want to spend time with me and that he didn't love me (laughs) and he was just cranky with me all the time but it turns out that around week five is also when you start getting like assignments back right so your marking goes up Yeah, so usually like around that time, drafts are coming in. So I'm marking drafts, which take a lot longer than marking finals because you have to provide like some decent feedback to the kids so they can actually do some constructive work after that. So drafts start coming in at that point as well on top of all this other life stuff that's going on. And you you have literally, you have next to no time for yourself as well in that term. Yeah, yeah, my time for myself. Like I, I will literally just work through breaks and um, just do everything I can to make sure everything's done because I don't have time to do anything once I'm home anyway if I wanted to. I really don't want to do that if I don't have to. So if I can avoid that, I, I will. Um, but that that is also the trade-off of being, I guess, the health and physical education teacher is you do end up with a whole heap of sporting commitments that you're in a sense expected to do you might get like a time allowance maybe I I don't think I was actually receiving anything specific last year or the year before Um, I might get something this year but it just it just adds up and so poor Ashley was also having to do like a lot more cooking and cleaning to just compensate for me being everywhere at once I and again I also didn't recognize that this particular time of year and this particular half, this is why I made that week five joke at the very beginning, because mm. I didn't understand that week five every term does get more stressful for you, but especially in term two. And that's, yeah, that was the, the crux of the joke. <laughs> yeah. um, but also with, with the podcast, going back to my introduction, is we are going to be doing little question games at the end of each episode. We started doing this when we first started the podcast with our, when I used to label the episodes date night. So we're calling it date night question game. So each fortnight or each week or however often 
you listen to the podcast, depending on how up to date you are, um, you can sit down with your partner and ask these questions and ponder them over a glass of wine or if you just buy a bunch of snacks and before you watch a movie, just have fun with it. Get to mm. know each other a little bit more on a deeper level. Yeah, definitely add some like spice to the relationship in some sense because you're going to have some disagreements. Like, disagreements or you might be surprised what the partner says. It's just silly and fun as well. Yeah, I, I really like doing them. Mm. It's, it's cool. It's something different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's intimacy and connection in a way that I think we, in the beginning, that's what's exciting about a relationship is like you're getting to know somebody, mm. little hints here and there. And then after, over time, I think you forget to, you, you know someone so well, I think you forget to ask these questions. And even if you do know that what they are going to say, it's, I still, still think it's a fun thing to explore, um, especially if you can learn to play devil's advocate, which you're really good at yeah. as well. Um, now you had you had some topics you wanted to talk about today. Yeah, well, um, it's going to be a bit different, I guess. As some, well, not really different for us because I think we always tend to get like a bit deep when we're doing this podcast. So hold on, <laughs> brace yourselves. But we recently watched the movie Cloud Atlas, and um, if you're not familiar with this movie, recommend you go watch it. Also, spoil alert because we might we might spoil some bits and pieces. However, it is a very, very complicated movie. We might actually help them understand it if they hear what the movie's about first. Yeah, like to give you some context, I've attempted to watch that movie twice before I even got through it recently all the way to the end because every time I watched it, there's so much you have to pay attention to in the first like hour of the movie that if you don't, it's just like a jumbled mess yeah. and it ruins the whole thing. So it's one of those movies that like almost like an Inception type thing. You have to think a lot, not quite Inception um, uh, as in it's, it, I don't know. I, I don't think it's like this, a similar setting in no. its mind bogglingness, but it's also like it does require that kind of attention to the movie. Like you're not going to enjoy Inception if you just have it in the background and you're just like doidling slightly on and off your phone or talking to your partner. Like it's going to be a terrible movie to watch. So this movie does require you to be there, be present and really pay attention to the whole thing because you will miss the themes that they're trying to um, portray to you. So it's a very interesting movie because the movie explores two things um, very well. And those things are is the underlining thing that's always popping up through the movie is it's trying to teach you, in a sense, an idea around what is the soul. And in some sense, it's almost got this karmic thing that's going on the whole mm. time. And there's all these connections between the characters in the movies as you watch them in different errors um even between like within time but also even interplanetary i think like some of them are off world like they're not necessarily all staged on earth is the feeling i got right. um so that's interesting as well but you're tracking the same souls throughout the movie played through different characters and sometimes it's easy to track because some of the characters are the same actors, but yeah. sometimes it's not the same actors and you have to like watch out for particular cues to let you know that, oh, no, that's the same person. And in the movie, they use like birthmarks or tattoos or things like that. I also think it helps if you can, for me, if you can put subtitles on so you can understand whose name is what, because mm. sometimes some characters are in, you're looking at two different timelines two different eras of time and it, the same character with the same soul can be in both timelines and that that messed with me a little bit yeah because that that only happens like once or twice yeah. or like family members yeah. are like oh that was yeah music yeah because some of the like some of the characters in the movie live a really long time and that could be like long enough for a, another character to die and come back, back in, another in, body, in yeah. that same like span of time, which is super interesting. It's trippy to think about. It's so trippy to think about. Yeah. But the movie in itself then raises a lot of questions around the soul. And so that kind of got me thinking about the soul. What is the soul? 
um, different religious ideologies around how religion views the soul. And so I guess I wanted to just kind of hash out my ideas with you, Ash, mm. about the soul and, and just like have a fun little conversation about it. Because um, you and I are probably on a very similar page on how we view the soul. But I also think coming from, I guess, a cultural Christian context, um, I think my views of the soul are, are slightly different to what a traditional Orthodox Christian would have as well. Mm. Um, and so that that's interesting in itself as well. And so what it's demonstrating in the movie is it's trying to pitch this karmic effect, which would be described as a, a circular religion. And so what that means is, so you've got linear religions, which are your Islamic, your Judeo-Christian religions or Jews and Christian Christianity or Catholicism as well would be in that. And so what happens is they think we all have a soul, you live this earth life and then you die and you go to heaven. So that you start your life at the start and you end your life at the end of the line. That's the linear yeah, that's imagery. The, yeah, there. so it's like from, from conception, the soul enters the body somewhere around that point, right? Like you conceived and then the soul enters your body and that's why they've got like strong beliefs around abortion because they literally think you're, you're sacrificing something that is holy in some sense. Like the, the spirit, the soul is um, this this piece of God in a sense. And you, therefore, you're foregoing this powerful thing. And so once you've conceived, then the soul is within the human body or the fetus at that point. And then you live your life. Once you die, you go to heaven and there's no coming back. So it's it, that's why it's linear. It's a one-way ticket, baby. One-way ticket. Whereas you've got circular religions, which are Hinduism and uh, Buddhist religions where they believe that the soul gets, once you, you leave this earth and you're, you die, a, a part of you is immortal. And so that's your soul. And that immortal part of you will then be reincarnated in another sense. And, and Buddhists and Hindus have slightly different views in the way reincarnation works. Mm -hmm. And uh, Buddhist people don't necessarily call it a soul in, in, in a sense, um, they, they more describe it as your consciousness and your consciousness is a flame that will then be passed on to another living being. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Hindus kind of um, think that you're, you do have a soul and you go into this like almost like a heaven, but like some other ethereal place. And then you're sent back depending on how you lived your life into another living being. And... For them, what's interesting about it is is how you, how you live your life is important within your life, but also between lives, right? Mm. So if you've if you're if you continually keep making mistakes, you're going to continually be placed in situations in your next lives that are going to, all in a sense, punish you or encourage, or you. encourage you to try and move past those challenges that you keep stuffing up, right? Mm. And they might maybe even in a sense intensify or maybe you're like they they even go to the point where like you could come back as an insect or you could come back as an animal you might not necessarily just come back as a human mm -hmm. which separates itself very much from every other religion because mm -hmm. like i think even buddhists believe like it's just like, from human, human to human right whereas like hindus is like it could be anything which makes it a bit blurry for them because yeah. it's like well how do you how do you get out of that cycle but What's interesting is they believe that eventually that cycle is broken when you come to a point of understanding and learning yeah. that you then reach heaven. Yeah. In, in, in uh, whatever their version of heaven is called, so right? Is that, are you talking about Hinduism? Hinduism. All right. Yeah. Say, so Buddhism have nirvana, which is like enlightenment. Yeah. But even most people don't reach that. Yes. Yeah. But it, the difference is, is, Buddhists believe you can reach nirvana in your earthly state. Yeah. Right? So that it's achievable in here now. Mm. And and actually they think eventually your consciousness once you've reached a point of enlightenment it just goes into the nothingness and right. you, it actually ends. There's a there's an ending to it. Whereas Hindus think you you kind of have this heavenish kind of welcoming 
which is very similar to the Christian, Islamic, and Jew, Jewish principles. Um, so it, it's funny looking at those ties between each other. The movie, I would say, has a very strong Hindu-like sense to it in the fact that people come back and the soul comes back and the way it's pitching it is every time the soul comes back, depending on how that character in the movie acted, they seem to show some kind of progression and who they are from a humanistic perspective or their like ethics and morals. Mm. And every time they're like, they seem to be, they, they seem to be making or attempting to make the right choice each level up. And some characters are really flawed at the beginning and towards the end in their next life and next life and next life. And they almost have like a devil advocate like voice in their mind that's like trying to trick them into like not making the right choice, but then they make the right choice and there's this breakthrough mm. that allows them to almost like ascend to a new level of learning on a soul level mm. in the next life again. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and, then, and there are some souls who continue to stay mm-hmm. doing the exact same things that they do. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And they enforce the status quo all the time. Like they're always like these like evil kind of characters that like are constantly enforcing the status quo and they never really progress from who they are. Yeah. Which is a little sad actually when you it look is. at it. Yeah. But th- I, uh, that's how I see us as human beings it, or soul uh, the the part of us that's our soul. I I genuinely believe that. I feel like I have like a very. I definitely have like a circular opinion. Mine mine's circular with a line in the middle. <laughs> you get to choose, man. Mm-hmm. I think our we're here to learn. We're here to learn about the the soul, like what it is to be human, and and to make mis like learn from past choices and do things differently. Um, to. I don't know how we have done things before and just continually learn and grow. And I think that's like, that's also my philosophy for life is just like learning and growing. Mm. I think sometimes, and this is on a personal level, I think sometimes I get caught up in making the right or wrong decisions. Cause at the end of the day, I think when my, when my life ends and my soul floats up, I, I want to be able to say like, yeah, I did that. Right. <laughs> which is, hu- which is a very human thing. It's very egoic. It's a very human thing to be like, I want to perfect it. I want to get it right. But there's, I, yeah, I don't know. I really like, I really like that idea. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, it is interesting. Like anytime, like, I guess what the movie was expressing is anytime there's like these big moments in your life where you feel like you're being really challenged by something and there's there's a momentous thing that could possibly occur depending on the decision you make Mm. the movie is kind of alluding to those things occur universally within your lives across different lives Mm. and that big momentous moment will constantly occur until in each life until you make the right decision right and that's Mm. the lesson that you eventually learn um, and it was, I guess it's also interesting cause it's kind of like, it's, you can't escape it. Mm-hmm. You'll keep getting sent back until you overcome that thing. And, um, that's, I guess what the, the Hindus, are alluding to in their karmic idea is you're never going to reach heaven until you fully understand all of the life lessons that you're here to understand. And then once you do, you reach heaven. I guess like the the thing I'm kind of grappling with when I when I'm considering this thing is because I, I find it so interesting that the Christian, Islamic, and Jude um, the Jewish traditions have this linear perspective, mm. and they don't incorporate a a learning aspect f- for the soul. Unless they think it's all done in just one life. Mm. I just, like, the, in essence, I see, like, in, in a way, some hypocrisy because I'm like, well, if Jesus can be sent down to earth to live a life, die, and then be resurrected, in some sense, that's reincarnation. So it's possible. Mm. 
in my eyes then therefore it's possible so why like maybe are we missing a piece like maybe it does happen maybe in some sense hell in the christian idea isn't actually a place you go to after death but your own demise and poor choices in this earthly living mm-hmm. can create a personal hell which is very very obvious and we've all seen insane examples of uh, hell on earth yeah. occurring. I, I, I genuinely think that it's uh, heaven and hell is a metaphor for the life that you create while you're here. And some people take it literally, like there is a heaven and hell when you die. And I think to me, I think of like being on your deathbed and looking back at your life and thinking, did I choose love and joy or did I choose to prioritize other things and that's that's the turning point of like do I feel like I'm in heaven or I'm in hell as I'm dying Mm. kind of thing like aside from any physical pain that you might be feeling (laughs) Mm. um I also had a thought that it's quite interesting that Christianity or those kinds of religions, judo Christian, whatever you say it, judo Christianity, yeah, yeah. judo Judeo Christian. There you go. How they because they subscribe to the idea that there is a heaven and a hell and a place you go. That's a lot of. That's where the fear of God comes in. It's a driving force behind a lot of their choices behind life. Is like, if, if I if this is my one life and. Every choice I make decides whether I go to this beautiful place or this absolutely terrible place, mm. then I'm going to like live my life to the fullest and I'm going to live the best life that I can and make good choices. When I think the when you bring in the idea that you can keep coming back and keep coming back, there's almost a feeling of like, well, you'll just you'll just put aside your choices anyway and you're more susceptible to the bad choices in life because you're like, well, well, I'm going to come back anyway, so it doesn't really matter what I do, mm. which is like it, it isn't good for a religion that is trying to enforce a certain standard, Yeah, if that makes sense. No, that does make a lot of sense. I see exactly where you're going. <laughs> but I, I also would point to then that's exactly like they describe hell as like a place of eternal suffering Mm. but that is eternal suffering right coming back and constantly reliving the same mistake over and over and over (laughs) over that's eternal suffering in my eyes so it's just like it's that is hell and so it's it's funny how like this like people hate me doing this but the religions like are obviously very different but at the same time they're trying to achieve the same thing. And a lot of the time I'm seeing so many connections in which they support each other. Mm. Um, but the fear of God is is used as a tool yeah. to persuade people to live a better life. And I, I think it is a, a very intelligent way of um, wielding religion in some sense. Yeah, I think, it wo- I think it works for a lot of people. Now, this this conversation I feel like is like kind of like a, a very odd conversation to have because I think not many people have these conversations. Maybe they don't enjoy having these conversations. I don't know. But I, I think they're super, super interesting. But when I was doing some research before um, I wanted to talk about it, I was like, well, how many people in Australia do think about this? And uh, there was a poll from uh, a media site called The Conversation, which is a big media site for Australians. And their, their poll said... Who knows how actually accurate it is. Um, I'm sure they probably got like a few thousand people to fill it out. But the poll came back with 71% of people do believe the soul exists. Mm. That's a lot of people. Oh, actually, I saw Triple J reference this as well. Yeah, Triple J did their own one as well. But it is up there. I've seen that one as well. It is up there. So it's in that like that at least is the most the majority at a minimum believe the soul exists so it's it is a question that still has a lot of potency and and room for discussion and i think people do think about this thing more often than what we actually discuss it oh yes and people just don't want to talk about it yeah because it's something that is 
non-physical and it, it it's something that we can't prove and people hate talking about things that you can't prove especially living in such like a scientific world which again I think is also a funny parallel because um and I've heard, I've probably said this quote before but I don't know if I said it on the podcast like science is the pursuit of God you're literally science is just trying to prove prove things it, it, at the end of the day I don't think you can prove a lot of things but um my mind comes back to Soul, the Pixar movie, because that movie was so successful. It was like it, it was one of the most successful Disney films that was made for adults. And it's that idea that now I'm not sure about like the, the circularity of it all, but the main character does end up, you know, coming back and in, in, a, in a funny and, and strange way mm. after he dies and his soul reincarnates into a cat and <laughs> um comes yeah he he does he does a, quite a few loops but i think that movie wouldn't be so successful if people didn't genuinely subscribe to the idea that there is something more than just our physical body and there is a soul there so uh, there's evidence of like millions of people that believe that yeah i also think it's used to answer the question why are we different to all other species on earth mm. And it's a almost like a scapegoat way of going, well, if we have this piece of us that's immortal, that in some sense separates us from everything else. It also makes it easy to kill other things and eat other things with less remorse because you're like, well, it's not as sacred as we are. Mm. Um, but also putting a sense of sacredness to humanity means that we will be kinder to each other as well because humans are very capable of doing very evil things to each other. And you were like, we're seeing this in Russia and Ukraine right now, um, but you, you don't have to go back to look at any other war. Um, but when, when it's, I always find the, the term when people say you've lost your humanity, mm. right? And it's like, it's so weird how we're using the term for our species to provide a description of how we behave, but in a positive sense. Because mm. like when you say you've lost your huma humanity, you're like, oh, well, are you implying that humans, humans are, are solely, innately yeah, innately good, yeah. which is a religious ideology. Yeah. Um, but I also think that's like a really cool statement because I... I do like to try and lean towards, hopefully, we are all innately good. Although, like, from a Christian perspective, they would say we're all born sinners. Mm. And it depends which, yeah, which <laughs> Christian. But, but it's, what's funny is there's that idea that we are, like, we have a part of God inside of us. So we mm. are of God. Yeah. And so the fact we, that yeah. we're born sinners also, I feel like, is an interesting concept I yeah and it's, it is an interesting dichotomy um but it also means like that you do have to work towards something which again kind of ties to what i like about cloud atlas because i like i've coined it the soul's evolution like it's a soul evolution like you're working towards improving your evolution of your humanity and each time you come back you're becoming a better and better person I do wonder um, in some sense if, if, if that is like a true concept, do you, as you evolve, come back and place yourself in harder and harder circumstances to overcome, to push yourself even further, the same way you might treat resistance training? Or do you constantly get to be placed in a circumstance in which like maybe you start in a really hard circumstance and you build your way out of it and then you're surrounded eventually by people who are also on a similar level in understanding from this soul's perspective and therefore you elevate each other as a group further and further up and maybe you'll you'll drag people who need some support along with you. Mm. Um, so that, that's an interesting concept to think about as well because it, it brings into question friendship and how you interact with your friends and those around you. Some people are 
within your friend group probably struggle with life things more than you might or maybe you're the person who who seems to struggle a lot with life things and you're looking at your friends you're like why why aren't they having the same problem and maybe it is this thing where it's this is your shot to learn this is your burden to look to 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 yeah overcome in this life and as you overcome it you're going to eventually get to the point where you do kind of move through life in a sense that it seems and appears to be a lot easier Mm. um and as a friend i think it's it's your job to kind of help help those people but there's only so many people you can burden yourself with that might not be able to get it like Mm. the you know how you when sometimes you're just with people and you're just like, why can't you just get it? Get it? My my little brother said this to me the other day because he's like a really em- empathetic um, young young man uh, or teenager, I should say, and he's he's noticing that his friends are going through this kind of weird depressive stage, and he's recognizing these poor habits they have and some behavioral traits that they're consistently adopting and he says to me he's like I, I just don't understand how they're not connecting the dots between the things they're doing and how they're feeling <laughs> and he he literally said I just I don't know why they don't get it I don't understand yeah, yeah. and it was like it was so funny because it was like we haven't purposely taught him how to navigate those things he is around us a lot so he probably learned them uh, implicitly mm. but it's funny to see someone so young already kind of just knowing how to live a more joyous like way um and in in that circumstance he was quite sad in some sense as well because he genuinely wants his friends to be happy happy and and more so i think he was pointing out that which ashley promptly pointed out to me as well was they're losing a bit of their playful childlike selves and that's something I think I personally have done a really good job of retaining as an adult is being like that, like still having access to being childlike silly. And my dad does a really good job of that as well. So I've got like standing on shoulders of giants there in that regard mm. in understanding how to still be like a, a fun, humorous person. Even your even your granddad, your Pepe, he, he will make jokes every now and then still. And he's like, you know, you don't, I don't know. I just, I didn't grow up with like older grandparents who made, who were silly still and yeah. poked fun at things. And and he's quite a serious person. Yeah. And, uh, but at the same time has this like, silliness to him as well and so it's like it's interesting like getting to see people can have both and you can be both you you don't have to be all serious and then all silly like you can be both like by the like you guys probably just listening to the podcast think i'm quite a serious and deep person 24 7 maybe yeah um and then you get little glimpses of where we are being silly but i would probably argue that in my normal life i'm just stupid and silly most of the time i went camping and like people were laughing because i was just like making annoying weird noises all the time and just (laughs) harassing everyone and like just trying to constantly always like find a way to lighten the mood or poke fun at something because like it it also brings you to a sense of presence all the time like it's always bringing you back to the present moment Mm. and so when you're doing those things you're not really worrying about other things in your life that don't really matter so it's almost like a weird sense of practice of meditation and being present all the time but also poking using humor to do that um i yeah i think i've said that before how you make noises randomly and um i do it now too because it brings me back to the present but you've also you've encouraged me you i've seen you do it in front of people that um aren't silly and that's mm-hmm. given me the confidence to just be my natural silly childlike self, which is slightly different to your childlike silly, but it's still silly um, in front of other people as well. I was going to say something else, but I forgot. Your voice is still sounding a little, a little cooked. How are you feeling? I feel fine. I just sound sexy <laughs> if you if you caught our last podcast we, we were super well we, we weren't quite super sick at that point but we were struggling to like just get words out i was literally holding a cough for maybe the whole podcast and it was just like 
to the point where sometimes I felt like I was going to have some tears come out of my eyes. <laughs> yeah, you're holding it back. <laughs> you're like that that meme of that guy who's like straining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just something I wanted to add to the whole soul evolution, soul learnings conversation is. Even if you don't want to think about it in soul terms, if you want to think about it in personal terms, is I think that we're all here, we all have individual personal lessons that we're here to learn and overcome, individual to each person that are different to each person. But I also think there is an overarching lesson for all of humanity, which to me is learning to love and soften in a hard world. I I have had that recurring theme come up the past couple of weeks is like the question for me was how can I learn to be loving and trusting in such a fearing angry world because the world can be so chaotic and scary and that's the challenge mm. is like how can I stay open how can I continue to like love amidst this chaos Mm -hmm. and I think that that's everybody's larger life lesson but I but there are individual lessons that we each have to overcome too so it's funny when I I think you know people feel so alone in this world um which can can feel true but at the same time there is this big overarching thing that we're all struggling with that we're all learning to achieve um and don't get me wrong it is hard it is hard, especially if you've grown up in circumstances that um, where you didn't have a lot of love in your life or you, you didn't see love in its pure form. Yeah. You saw it in, in bits and pieces. Um, but we're all here trying to learn the same thing. We're all, we all struggle with that regardless of whether, whether we grew up in a loving family home or not. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think um, what you're describing there is what religious people call faith. And a lot of people miss out on an understanding of what faith actually is because the religious ideologies aren't very strong in our culture anymore. But when like someone says um, you've just got to have faith or they, they have a lot of faith, it's someone who in some sense, despite all of the hard things, they still just have hope and mm. they, they're willing to put their their wishes and desires for the greater good of those around them out to the universe or prayer to a God. Um, and just, they just got this sense that it, it will happen Mm. and a confidence that despite whatever happens, it's for a better purpose in the end. Mm. And yeah, what you're describing is exactly right. It's sad though, that because in religion in some sense isolates people or groups some groups of people out i think that's probably what's also caused such a big shift away from it because you've got all these communities that don't have the capability to get these cool understandings because they've been outed in some way because of some rule that uh, the religions instilled which which sucks in some sense i also i i think and I've heard you say before, you know, you know, there is there's value in sticking to one ideology. But for me personally, I think that that exact reason, the, the when people have put so many rules around a religion, which you like religion isn't a physical thing. You get to do with it whatever you want, in my opinion. But when you put so many rules around it, you do segregate people out and the the value of being able to look at move past the judgments of those people and the judgments you make about those people and look at different kinds of religions, you get to pick and choose and take different kinds of pieces that help you in life. So a great example is like, um, uh, you, you're talking, you were talking about faith in Judeo-Christian religions. And I thought of loving kindness, which is in, is a Buddhist, it's called Metta with a double T, not the body Facebook thing. Um, it's the idea of acting from a place of loving kindness. Um, and, and that kind of ties into what I was saying about, you know, mm. learning to love in such a, a hard world is like, how can I, how could my idea with that is how can I be kind, more kind in a loving way and not for like, I don't know, egoic purposes and things like that. And so, you know, 
the benefit of us not being um, in one strain of religious form is that we get to see the similarities. And I think that also allows um, people who are listening who have these judgments about religions as well to go, oh, actually, that's I like that idea quite a lot. Mm. doesn't mean you have to subscribe to the religion, but you can understand now why people subscribe to religions like that because there are so many benefits to not only allowing you to feel better but to guide you in this world, especially when you feel lost. So to go back to raising the overall, I guess, level of humanity on like a a soul's context is also an idea that Cloud Atlas was tackling in the same movie and it was exploring it through slavery. And it touches on it in all different eras. And so this is a bit of a spoil alert. But one of the guys in it who has a common theme across the whole thing, he frees a slave in each one of his lives. And ultimately, at the very end of The Last Life, you see he exposes this massive, um, I guess what would you describe it as like a conspiracy in some sense Yeah. Uh, of slavery? He uncovers it and exposes it um, and ultimately exposing the horrificness of slavery on a planetary scale. Um, but he starts off by freeing an African slave who was picking cotton and those two have like a, a, a very strong connection and then in the next life... I think in the next life, he is the slave of a music composer. So he takes a turn being... He, it's not a, he's not a literal slave. He can leave at any time. Mm. But he's like he, he gets to understand what it feels like to be a, a slave to the system and to somebody else. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, like at, at, the, at the very end, he... Um, he, he he's in this future type world and in this future type world they've got like two different classes they've got the free people and then they've got the slave people and the slave people are these servants that are they call them fab fabricoids or something like so they refer to them as if they're not living beings I think they're just yeah were they servers or something but um they are literally artificially grown for the purpose of serving the free people. And then they're kind of in some sense told that there's this magic afterlife that they get to go to and eventually like it's in some sense used as like a retirement thing. And in the end, they're all just being... Don't spoil it too much. Yeah. Yeah, there's another purpose behind... Well, I kind of want to spoil it. Spoil alert if you don't want to hear like the main gist of the movie, turn it off now. Um, but if you do keep listening, um, so they're using these slaves as food effectively. And it's just like, but what was so eerie when watching it and they're quite graphic with it, but it just felt so possible is the feeling I got. I was like, oh no, like this could be a thing. Like if, if, if famine became bad enough Mm -hmm. and like, we already do terrible things like it, recently what was exposed on the Joe Rogan podcast by a, um, a reporter was all of the slavery occurring in the Congo for mining cobalt, which goes into all of our lithium batteries. And essentially lithium battery powers just about every device you could think of and then EV cars and things like that. And you've got people who are living off absolutely almost no money whatsoever and they're being forced to mine this poisonous material with pickaxe in hand like crammed into this like the smallest of spaces um like that's kind of stuff is happening now and they're being forced to do it at gunpoint and exposure of it isn't getting out because they're literally being held at gunpoint. Like, even if a CEO probably wanted to go, like, investigate, he probably couldn't because he might disappear. Mm. Um, and so that that kind of stuff is, is happening now. So I couldn't... Like, it's not that far of a stretch to think in some way without people knowing, mm. 
because this is effectively trying to be kept under wraps as well, that if we had enough food shortage, we could end up eating other people. Right. And, and, and the other, nobody knows this except the higher ups and the people who are like the rebels pretty much. And that's exactly what's happening with society today. And so we get to choose, right? How can we, are we going to continue to contribute to that? Or are there ways that we can try and step away from that or even just raise awareness of, of modern day slavery because it does exist. Mm. Um, Now, this is a really good conversation. I'm glad you brought that up. And I feel like there's probably more you want to talk about, but we are running out of time. Yeah. So let's move on to a lighter topic <laughs> um, of, we'll do the questions. Yeah. So. Date night questions. Date night questions. <laughs> With that and Chaz. <laughs> That's the new um, intro to the date night questions. Uh, you pick the questions because... You seem to know. I wasn't sure which. All right. So here's a question for you. When was the last time you lost your cool? What happened? How did you feel about it? The last time I lost my cool. Do you mean like anger or just any kind of emotion where I lost my cool? Like when you're in a situation, you probably shouldn't lose your cool, but you lost your cool. All I can think, the last time I lost... I don't remember losing my cool in front of anybody recently. Yeah. I, the only time I remember is I went to go get something signed at the police station and the lady was really rude and and just, like, unnecessarily rude to me. Um, and I just – usually I would in that moment lose my cool. Usually I'd be like, I don't appreciate the way that you're talking to me. But she did have my license in her hand. I was like, oh, she knows where I live. <laughs> so I, I, I quote unquote kept my cool until I got into the car and I just lost it. Um, cried. I cried. I cried a lot. I came home. I did lots of little tools that I needed to like chill, try and chill myself out. But I, I lost my cool for a good few days there. I was angry with this lady. Mm. Um, but I can't recall the moment where I've done that in, a, in front of people in a long time. Mm. So that's an interesting one. Would you like to answer that question or would you like me to ask you another one? Let's go another one. Another one. Uh... (laughs) That's a funny one. Okay. Uh, Assuming you were single, what would it take for you to get back together with your last ex? Oh, God. Does that mean me? Assuming you were single, so like you broke up with me, what would it take for you to get back with me? (laughs) <laughs> I love how you made it about that. You know, you're like, you know, this has to be about me. <laughs> what would I do? What uh, would it take for, for like you to get back? See, that's a weird question. I don't think that would be hard at all. Assuming I was single, yeah. why did we break up? Um, shit, that's a good question. I don't think that's what the question means. I think it means your ex. But it doesn't have to. If you you want to answer it that way. Well, I literally can't think of a reason why we would break up. Like, unless you gave me a reason why we'd Let's break up. Let's just say that... life got really hard. Life got really hard and stressful and it was just too much for us. Well, I think you, if life got super hard and that kind of scenario played out, I think you probably would be missing my, like, humorous, silly side and you haven't seen it in years. And so I would assume that, me doing something romantic and stupid would probably win you back quite easily. It could even be as cheesy as like throwing rocks at your window and playing music mm. at the window. <laughs> Baby, come back. Lay <laughs> <laughs> it on me. I said I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I guess the question wasn't for me. It's my turn to ask a question. Oh, sorry. Goddamn women. <laughs> um, okay. Here. This is why I wanted you to write them down because we're taking a, half the time to answer, pick a question. Um, tone down your sass, please. <laughs> <laughs> your sassy pants. All right. What's something you were still self-conscious about 
Are you working on it? Mm. I think I get self-conscious about actually showing like my true self to people. Mm. And it, I, I think... Cold, cold-hearted woman, aren't you? What? Yes. How am I cold-hearted? I'm just playing. Oh, okay. You can be very blunt sometimes. You're like, but that is part of like also part of my true self. And I, yeah. I struggle with that because people aren't ready for it. And to be honest, that is how I, I like talk to myself. I'm quite like upfront and I talk to you that way. I'm quite like upfront and honest and I like to approach things. And I don't trust myself in those situations. To keep you cool. Yeah, because it can get frustrating sometimes. Um, And I I also don't, you know, showing up on social media, I've copped a lot of like judgment from people I know and from people I don't know. And so being my true self in front of other people for the benefit of my business and just even myself, unless it's like something that, because I'm quite a deep person. And I touch on topics that are quite deep and so people aren't ready for that also and it gets quite triggering and I find that emotionally quite hard when people do throw their shit at me. And so, like, learning to be myself... See, I'm, like, fucking tearing up already. Um, <laughs> that's that's quite hard. Yeah. But I'm trying. And I think living here is quite helpful because you guys are all just so yourselves a lot of the yeah. time. Wait, I can't. Yeah, you got to ask me a question. I just want to check how long we've got. Yeah, because last time we... Time fast. That, well, that's why I picked 45-minute mark. Nice. Because good job. We've probably got time for, like, two or three more questions. Okay. Um, so you are working on it effectively, is what you're saying? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, good. I'm always working on it. I feel like that's my life... I genuinely feel that's my lifelong... One of my lifelong lessons as a soul <laughs> is to like to learn to be myself and be okay and trust myself and be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, the authenticity. Yeah, yep. Oh, have I ever told you a secret that you've let slip to a third party? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah, you're you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when okay. I tell. Okay. Um. So, oh, I feel like I'm slipping a secret to, like, infinite people now if I say it. You, are you, is, is, it, is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay I, can I can say it. it. Okay, cool. Uh, um, so a while ago, well, she's still doing it, but... Um, very slowly. Very slowly. She's, she's like, uh, yeah, not actively engaging in as much as she was, but Ashley's been writing a book. She specifically told me not to tell anyone that she's writing a book, but I was so excited that she was writing a book that I just, like, I was just proud. And, you know, uh, after a few drinks at a party, all of a sudden I'm just blurting about, yeah, Ashley's writing a book. And I was just, like, gloating about you in some sense, yeah. um, which is, I would say, a pretty positive thing. It was very <laughs> cute how you excited how excited you were, but I was also fuming. Well, I just, like, in my eyes... That's something that is relatively difficult to do. And like even like even if you didn't even get published, just like saying you wrote a book demonstrates a lot of qualities that I value. Mm. And so I think it's a very cool pursuit because it requires discipline, it requires creativity, it requires a certain level of intellect. And it also requires you to manage your time in such a way that other people don't have the discipline to. Mm. So all those things combined, just like when someone's doing something like that, I'm like, damn, that's cool. I, I want I like, I want to be around them. I want to know more about them. I want to just like work out like what's the thing that makes them tick. And so I just, yeah, I, want, I, re- I just was excited to tell people because I thought that was such a, like a cool, interesting thing you were doing and I was proud of you for doing it but at the same time uh you didn't want me saying it I I guess from my perspective I also tell people when I'm doing stuff like that because I use it as motivation because yeah other people like letting other people know hey I'm doing this thing keeps me accountable exactly what you said so that spurs me on to ensure I complete what I start and so, like, I use it as motivation, but for other people, that's probably unnecessary pressure that they don't really want. 
Well, that's a lot of the time when people let secrets slip is because they don't understand the value of that secret to the other person, mm. right? And I've long forgiven you and I don't care now. I also don't, like, use other people as mo- motivation that much. So, like, in terms of that writing that book. So I get it. I didn't You're un- better than me. No, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't understand why you let it. I didn't understand why you're so excited in the first place. And, and now I do. So, you know what? All you had to say was, I'm sorry, mate. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, it's your turn to ask a question. Ooh, this la, might la. be the last one, depending on time. We'll have a look at the time. Okay. Oh, that one might be a bit too... Um. Oh, describe a way I've impacted your life but may not know about. Please do tell and let me bask in my awesomeness. <laughs> I feel like I tell you all the ways that you benefit my life. <laughs> way that you may not know about. Not sure. This is pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if you heard that he was like this is pretty shit um come on throw me a bone i can only think of like little little bits and pieces that you may not know about like i think you understand the big ones that he's like got a gloating look on his face you understand the big ones about you know you you teach me a lot about love and happiness and being silly and that's that's been really important to me Mm. um you, I think you, actually one big way that you, you've taught me how to like function in an adult world, like in, in adult life, I, I didn't really under, I, I wasn't very good at accepting like this is how life is now, that you're an adult and, and the rules around like things that you have to do and accepting that sometimes you can't change certain things but that you do also have choice in what you do about that. And I think you've been really integral in, um, yeah. Do you have any examples? That was interesting. I don't... Sorry to put you on the spot. That's okay. That's a, that's a tough one to uh, explain. I think you... Uh, one thing I think... The main phrase that comes to mind is, like, teaching me to pick myself up by my bootstraps. Yeah. So a lot of the time, um, in business, for example, that's a great example because... I'm literally, I'm literally doing it all on my own. Mm. And so I have to be an adult about it. Mm. And I, 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 I don't have, like, when you're an adult, you'd really, like, you have love and support of your family. But, for example, at work or with little things here and there, you don't, you have to figure it out how to do it on your own. And so I'll, I'll come to you with, like, and I'm in tears and I'm, I'm struggling. And sometimes it, it's not even... It's not even how you are in those moments. It's how you are in your life. Like you evidence to me how to pick myself up. I see you struggling with stuff and you go away and you'll think about it or you'll do certain things and then you'll come back and you've accepted it. Like you've Mm. just accepted that, okay, this is the rule. This is shit. But I'm, what am I going to do about it now? Mm. Um, Maybe with work, with like rules around, for example, your like the way that you dress and things like that, yeah. which sounds like simple, but at the same time, it's like, to me, it's, I can understand how that's such a big and important thing. And for yeah. me in my business, everything that I do feels important. Yeah. And so it all feels heavy and, and learning to accept that is, um, been huge. Oh, that was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Mm, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, that that is a tough one, isn't it? In in life, like being confined and constricted to some of the the structural rules that are around us can feel suffocating sometimes. And to not get bogged down by it, mm. like it can get you down, and you can feel suffocated. Mm. But you can also choose not to stay in that place. Yeah. To- it always helps to like find reasons why those things exist in the first place. And sometimes that yeah. can uh, reshape your perspective. Because um, at the end of the day, like everything has a purpose in some sense. It's not there for no reason. And everything has, everything has a new perspective. You just got to find the right way to look at it. Mm. And that, that can be a tough thing to do. 
um, but that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, like you, you'll you, you'll never you'll never truly value a lesson unless you reflect on it. Mm. Like reflection is the key to to it all, mm. and this podcast is a very useful tool for us in that regard as well because we learn about ourselves doing it all the time. Oh yeah, trial by fire, baby. Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. It is. All right. Adios. We'll see you in two weeks. Ooh. <laughs> All right. That's my new outro. <laughs>